0: that's one of the best parts about being in the fitness industry is that you get to be a part of someone's chapter in their life and if it's that one extra thing that you have to do today which feels like one more thing but what if it's that one thing that changes the ending of their book of life what if their story changes because you did that one thing and so like when you can start reminding them like what the mission is and why we all are doing this yes we all may have gotten into the fitness industry in a different way but there is a common thread where it's like we want to be those people that can show other people there's a brighter day in front of you and we can shine light on that for you welcome to the fitness empire podcast
1: We show gym owners how to dominate their competition and build a massively profitable fitness business. Dustin and Matt collectively own 12 gyms and have a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry.
0: They're here to help gym owners create an empire of impact and income.
2: Fitness empire listeners, we have a special treat for you today. Uh, this is gonna be one of my my favorite ones. Everyone's great, uh, but this person uh, is responsible for the massive growth uh, of our company that we've had. And uh, well, what's special about today's guest is he's been at every single level of my organization. So he started as a coach. He he jokes and said he was the, the first intern because uh, he's very humble. But he started as a coach with us. Then he moved into our second location. He was a partner at that location ran that location, um, and then he went on to run our internship program and be a VP of our company and manage every single uh, leader in our in our organization. So the, the nice treat about today is he understands the dynamics of leadership at every single level because even if you're a coach, you are leading people. Our last guest, which if you listened to the last podcast, he said leadership is influence, you're leading people at even when you're a coach, you need to lead people. Um, And then being able to manage people and lead people at the next level and then at the next level. So our guest understands, he calls it middle leadership uh, better than any of us and understands the dynamic of knowing what it's like to, hey, I need my location to be running really, really, really well. Uh, The dynamic of, hey, I know that I have directives from leadership, and now I need to bring them down into my team. I need to get them bought in. I need to get them on board. I need to co- keep the culture strong. So those are all the things that you're going to, to learn today in this episode, but you're also going to learn those even deeper coming to the Domination Workshop because he is one of the guests, and he's always a fan favorite. Everybody leaves going, I love this guy. He's amazing. How do I get him uh, to, to be on my team? And the number one question I always get is, how did you find this guy? Uh, because everybody wants uh, Michael Rosso's inside of their organization. So, Michael Rosso, welcome to the Fitness
0: Empire Show. Thank you. Thank you. What an introduction. I appreciate that.
2: All right. So, we're going to give softball question for you first. Just give us a little two-minute intro, uh, who you are, your backstory. Obviously, I talked about it a little bit, but you always have
0: a unique angle of uh, your backstory. Yeah. I mean, you kind of covered – what i did inside of your organization and i won't go in you know behind that because i think it would be you know a waste of time and we can talk about that another day but who i am um you kind of alluded to it i was the i wanted to be the ideal team player that was it when you got when you hired me into the organization i wanted to be an ideal team player not necessarily the ideal team player i just wanted to be one of your you know ideal team players and honestly I wanted to be your most valuable player. That's that was like my goal. You know, I never I never had like the ego that I was the most valuable player because you guys you had so many phenomenal coaches and and leaders inside your organization, but I wanted to position myself as the most valuable. But like you had said in 2014 when you hired me on, it was your flagship location, the first location, and you had, you know, including your wife, there was 5 of us. And then I was with you for over eight years before I moved up to Traverse City. But in those first six years, you grew from one location at ten locations. You grew from five employees to over seventy five employees. And when you think about that that timeline in six years, like when you're growing that big, that fast, you you come to find out that your organization's shortcomings, they get exposed. And I think you learn that. And I and like a couple of those is, you know, the main one that you alluded to is like positions. like, there were positions that needed to be filled there's holes in the organization which were positions and you had to figure out okay who are, who am i going to put there and you did a really good job of people analyzing and, and what i call talent analyzing you looked at a skill profile of each of your team members and okay who needs to be in this position to make sure that our mission goes forward and so going from a coach to a facility leader and to an internship director which you know, out of the eight plus years I was with you, I think the, the internship is what I'm most proud of as far as like the body of work that I was able to do. Um, but then we also did a mentorship program. That was short. That was something you didn't mention. That was for emerging leaders. So we had, we had the internship program that brought an uh, uh, intern and got them indoctrinated into who we are, what we do, our core values, what, you, you know, what the product was. So they were essentially plug and play, ready to go as a coach. And then we realized, hey, we're growing so fast, we kind of have a breakdown from coach to facility leader, who's going to lead those locations. And so we created a program for that, that was specific to the company that you were running. So I did that, which brought me to being one of the few VPs. And then, um, you know, the pandemic happened and I don't really need to go into that. Like fitness companies were about as essential as a bowling alley. So you, you know <laughs> that we were fighting for our careers and, um <laughs> You you got stuck in probably the hardest position, which is coming up, you know, you wanted to keep all of your team members on, and you wanted to keep them at full pay as long as you could, and, and I could feel that from you. You did not want to have to do what you did, which is look at your roster and say, who is essential, which I think is kind of tough when you're talking about people, um, but if they weren't revenue-generating positions, if they weren't really impacting the bottom line, it was like it's time to go and that's a tough tough decision and and i'm like i'm very grateful that you kept me on and i had a skill set that i could go back and run the location that i started in 2015. um you know but to to go full circle you know who i am i talked about being the ideal team player and most valuable player i wanted to to be that for you and it, it was it was doing that meant doing whatever it took to keep the mission forward and i wanted to insulate you as my boss as the CEO, I wanted to insulate you from any stress that was going on under or at least between what I was doing and, you know, where you are. I wanted mm-hmm. to kind of stop all that stress so you knew, like, hey, Rosso, he's he's fine. It, you know, if he's drowning, he'll come and, and let me know. But until then, like, you know, I know that everything's handled over there and that's that's kind of who I am as a team member. So that that's
2: a great lead into cuz like obviously I think that one of the biggest things that separates you from so 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 many people uh, is just your mindset of how you approach those dynamics right so you came in and said I, I want to be the most valuable person on the team and that that's why we always say hey like bring your team to the domination workshop cuz if if they can get your influence on them of how you approach being a, a great teammate like that's going to massively change their business j- just in that. So if you have managers, if you have team members like show up because it's one thing for a business owner to tell team members how they should show up and how they should approach things, but we're we're not relatable, right? In the sense of like, yeah, okay, like they're pretty much like shut up, you don't understand me. But the cool part is you do understand them. You do know what it it's like to be in the coaching position and then have directives come down to you. You do know what it's like to be in the management position. And then ultimately like being in a true leadership position where now you need to bring the directive down to the manager who now has to bring the directive down into the coach and be able to try to bring everybody together. And and one of the things that I don't know what what it uh what finally kind of made it stick of like what's really the manager's job. And I, I think it's being able to Bring the dynamic of like you have the the frontline team, you have the company, and then you have the manager, right? They're in the middle. Their job, in my opinion, is to bring everybody together, um, because no matter what, if you're the CEO of the company and you're asking the team to do something, it's always going to be viewed potentially oh, they're just telling me what to do, and you know I'm an employee and they own the company, right. But now it's the job of the middle manager to 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 bring them together, and I think that was one of your your specialties is being able to bring everybody together and really drive a positive culture that also got results.
3: I just want to say something to you, Ross. So you got you got you got me emotional there, because I could feel how much you care about Matt and your guys' mission, and and I and like it was like it was like a, my breath got knocked out of me when I heard that because I'm like. That's what every business owner wants to hear from their team because now you're like, You're my ally. You're you're here to help me do what I set out to do. And that is a huge relief because always in the back of our mind is like, is this just transactional? You just want the paycheck and you got your site set on something else. And to hear you're locked in and like I'm I'm here for the big I'm here for the big haul. I'm here to be with you side by side. We're in the trenches. I'm, I'm watching your back. You're watching mine. Let's link arms. Let's go out and win a championship. Like that, like that, that's what I, I just want to say. What you said, if, if a manager's listening to this, that is your ticket to being handsomely rewarded, handsomely promoted, and handsomely saved just like you were in any business you go to. If you go in with that mindset, if you go in with like, how can I get as much out of this and use this as a stepping stone to get to my next thing? You're starting the relationship as a, a staff member the wrong way. so I, I, like again, I know Matt already hit it, but I just want to double down on it. Your mindset is what I believe definitely has helped you to be so successful and rise to the one of the top positions in Matt's company and if everybody could really go into their you know role current or future with that, I think it would just pay them back in dividends because they're operating like an entrepreneur within an entrepreneur's company and there's there's nothing wrong with that. That is an amazing way to create a great living and lifestyle for your, for you and your family. So again, dude, like you just got me emotional. So I just want to say I I could feel the care you have and it's coming through. And so again, uh, really, really powerful.
0: I I would jump in and talk more, but I, you know, I, I could say more on this. I don't know if you guys want not keep moving with questions, but there's, you know, what, I guess what I'll say is when Matt, when I, when I met Matt and he still is the sway, he is the motivator to the motivators. He was the most motivated, you know, guy I've ever met and when he says something like this, when you're ready to change your life, you'll walk through my doors. You know, and like when you when you hear your leader say something like that, you're like, "Okay, I can get behind that because you, when people are ready to change their life, they're going to meet me and I'm going to be that person to to help them do it." Um but there was a ton of things that also Matt did strategically to to push me to be his you know one of his most valuable players um because he treated me the right way and it was specifically how i'm motivated as an individual versus maybe someone else so but, but did, i think you, it
2: like it's it's being able to say like you had those qualities first that which then in many ways you know allowed someone like me to want to pour more into you right like so it, it goes both ways and I think a lot of people go well if my boss would just do x y and z then I would do x y and z and I and I always kind of go on the other hand too like okay yes let's let's see how do we help motivate people and provide people what they need to to excel what they do but if you take it on you and go hey I'm going to be so freaking valuable to this organization I'm going to be the linchpin and bring people together and, and rally people around this mission. And then when people are around me, I'm gonna get the very most out of them. I, I'm gonna make everybody better because I'm in the room, which is what you do. The boss and the leader is gonna go, how do I take care of this person, right? So sometimes as a employee, we, we want the other way around versus going, you know what, I'm gonna take control of this situation and I'm going to own my role and I'm gonna be so freaking valuable at what I do that I'm not going to be denied, right? And you did it without an expectation. And that's the, that's the thing to know is like, there wasn't, when you first got on board, there wasn't a carrot, there wasn't a promise, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't even like this big grandiose vision. Like, yeah, when people come in, we wanna change their life, that's great. But you were so like, so good. That it's like hey we we can expand the vision because we have this guy on our
0: team, so go ahead, it's really nice, you know it's it's flattering to hear you say that, but I'm no better than anyone that was you know that that's on the team. I definitely you know went full throttle and went for it, but I do want to say like. You were a huge, I mean, you were a big influential piece in my growth just because you were, like, the first leader that, you, like, in my def, like, in my definition of a leader, you were the first leader in my life. Like, as far as, like, a leader is concerned or a boss. Um, but I was still, like, I, I built that trust with you, but I still was married to the mission. So it was mission over everything, but I had all the trust and faith in you because you had built a good enough track record with me that I was like, all right, Matt has the direction of this, you know, he's got his hands on the steering wheel, so to speak. Like you are pointing us in the direction we need to go and you have the mission. And there were times that I was like, I feel like we're kind of getting off track. And I felt that in my gut, and there would be, you know, deliberation and conversation around it. But at the end of the day, when you're when you know, when you dug your, your heels in the sand and said, No, like this is this right now feels like it's not the right way, but you know, a long enough timeline, I'm telling you it is. And for being in that middle leadership position, being married to the mission, having faith in your leader from there, it's like, even if there was resistance leaving a meeting, you had to, the thing that I took pride in was, all right, I'm gonna galvanize the team as if this was my, or this was my idea. And I think that's a really, you know, not early on in my leadership did that always happen, but as I grew in my leadership, it was, hey, like whatever Matt has to say to me, I have faith in him. So for that, like I'm going to get on board and make a ride with the team and, and, you know, get excited. Like it's my own idea.
2: But I, I think with that too, is um, sometimes like good middle managers defend their leader because like just saying, Hey, I believe in what Matt is doing, or I believe in what we're the decision that was made carries so much weight to like, Hey, I can get, I can get bought in, right? Hey, if Rosso's bought in to what we're doing now I'm bought in because they're not always going to be as bought like the, the bigger the distance between like for example for me the bigger the distance between me and frontline people you know obviously with you it was always close right so like you know me to a different level than say the average team member does that average team member doesn't add that same faith and that same conviction and that same same level of buy-in like it's just it's not going to happen right so like you have to be able to galvanize. And now if you go to the team, and I think this is one of the sins of a manager, and we talked about it as a previous podcast, is maybe you know it's going to be hard on the team or you know the team is going to not be 100% bought in. One of the easy buttons to do, but then it creates that divide between the company and that, hey, don't shoot the manager. This isn't my decision. I don't believe in what we're doing. Like, I don't know what Matt's thinking. I don't know what Dustin's thinking, but hey, we got to do our job and this is what we got to do. Like, I think that's one of the biggest sins in the manager. So how do you go to the team and get them bought into maybe an unpopular decision or maybe even something that doesn't feel completely in line, say, with the vision? And I think where you're going with that is obviously during COVID and during times, it's like, hey, we got to make money. And uh, making money still aligns with the vision because at the end of the day, if people pay you to help them, if people aren't paying you, it means you're not helping them. But I think the messaging started like, hey, we need to make money. But part of that messaging is we need to make money so we keep everyone's freaking jobs. <laughs> right. Like, that's why we need to make money is because people's jobs and livelihoods are are on the line. But then that starts to feel like, hey, all we're doing is talking about money versus, hey, we need to be changing and impacting people's lives. So I, I think like because obviously listeners probably like they're not in tune to kind of what you're you're alluding to, but. With that, that that's a real thing that a lot of gym owners right now are facing is like, hey, I got into this, changed lives, but motherfucker, I need to pay some bills and I need to like keep my employees, and I'm drowning and I'm swimming, and I just don't feel like the team understands that we do need to make money.
0: Yeah, let's. Let, I'll give an. How do we
2: bridge that gap?
0: I'll give you an example since you brought up the pandemic coming out of COVID or getting through COVID what was cash flow positive. I'll never forget it. It was such a simple rally cry. It's memorable. It's not going to leave you cash flow positive. And so if there was an unpopular, you know, decision, let's say, all right, everyone, you got to figure out a way to record online workouts and you aren't going to do one today. You're going to do five of them and they're going to be full speed and they're going and it's going to be really, really hard. And team members were probably emailing clients, checking in with them, you know, virtually, but not having to do workouts. It's like it's way easier to just type emails. Than to go in and do workouts. But when you can tie like, all right, what's going to impact the bottom line more providing workouts or sending an email saying, how are you doing? It's like, there's probably like, you probably know how they're doing. It's a pandemic. They're probably a little lonely. They're not getting workouts in and stuff. And I'm not saying checking in with them is not important, but let's talk about prioritizing cash flow positive activities. Let's get workouts to them because that's going to bring in money. That's going to keep people, you know, from getting off track and and helping them, you know, with a solution to get an actual workout in because they can't go to the gym. It's like provide an option that they can do it at home versus just saying, "Hey, how are you? How are you doing on sleep and nutrition? Like, did you get a walk in?" You know, it's like. So it you to answer that in short, you have to find a creative way to go to their rallying cry. What's most important right now? What's the mission? What's the vision? And say, okay let's, let's link our, what we're doing right now, the task and activity to what that vision and mission is. And that's how you galvanize and get them excited, you know? And, and I just tried to keep the thread as close to what was most important. So whenever I would, and this is, you know, it's kind of fast forwarding to, to some of the content that I'll be sharing at the Domination Workshop, but it's creating, how do you create buy-in with your vision from the CEO all the way down to the client? And you know, one simple way is to keep the thread really close to you and not forget why why we're doing what we're doing.
2: Yeah, what I what I just heard with that is part of your job as the manager is to attach the meaning to whatever it is that, that we're doing, right? So the meaning creates our state around whatever we're doing. So the states are the alignments of our thoughts, our beliefs, and our feelings. That's going to drive our actions, and then our actions drive our outcomes, right? So the fastest way to change somebody's states, which is their thoughts, their their beliefs, and their feelings is to attach the proper meaning. You as the owner need to try to attach the meaning. But again, you can only do so much with that. The, the really, the dictate of the meaning of the decision or anything that you're trying to do is going to end up being the manager. The person that has the relationship and the influence, they're also going to get the, the real issues, the real concerns, the real... The real backlash is gonna come to to the manager, right? It's it's probably not flowing up to the CEO of the company or, or the business owner unless they're a single location and they're the ones providing hey, this is what we need to do and this is what so I think if you're a manager or you're even an owner that is basically the manager of your location, like understanding that part of your job is to attach the right meaning to what we're asking you to do or else people aren't gonna get on board. People are gonna be negative. We're gonna create a, a negative culture. And oftentimes people make the mistake that they they don't attach the right meaning because they don't wanna be the bad guy. They don't wanna, they, they're a people pleaser. They want everybody to like them. They wanna sing Kumbaya. So you as, let's just put yourself in the management role, like being able to understand, hey, culture matters. Hey, I wanna have everyone feeling good but hey we actually have to do these activities and these are the things that we need to do to drive our business an example of this would be hey you got 80 progress reports right like and there's no way around it you're getting paid to do them right but 80 progress reports is a lot of stuff so how do how does michael rosso now with all the wisdom that he has how does he approach those things of like really pushing and driving his team, but still trying to keep team morale as high as humanly possible around like having to do like 80 progress reports. I'm just saying in general, like, Hey, like we're pushing, we're pushing hard right now. We're asking a lot of you like, but not making it where, Hey, you're a victim and you're a martyr. And like now we're almost like doing the opposite of what we're, we're trying to do. How do we get the team on board with, this was a conversation that we had with Rich in the previous podcast is like the, the next line of generation, like the, the work ethic and, and the want to push hard. Uh, it's more about wanting to feel good and be happy and be content than it is to like, hey, let's have that blue collar work ethic and, and be willing to, to do whatever it takes to, to push the mission forward. So part of a business, a business opens to solve people's problems and make a profit. Right. Nowhere in there does it say, hey, make everybody feel good.
0: Yeah, um, which, you know, which is funny because I have my my perspective is if you can create the right environment to make your team want to come back to work, you know, it, it makes the mission as much easier. But you, sure. I think, you know, you don't ever want your team to feel like, oh, this is one more thing we got to do. Like, crap, always one more thing we got to do. But what if the, what if it was, what if it's the one thing that differentiates us from everyone else? Or what if it's the one thing that changes their life? You know? So it's like, Um. yes, it might feel like it's one more thing today, but what if it helps, you know, this person, you know, they're 50 pounds overweight. What if it, it helps them, whatever it is, maybe it, it sends them in the right direction to lose the 50 pounds that they needed to lose, you know? So you can, you, you you can kind of twist the conversation, which I think takes some wisdom and experience. Um, and the other thing that I had heard during the pandemic, during like when, hey, like this is a season where we are going to be pushing harder. Yes, I'm asking for more from you right now. And, you're, and you may not be getting the same like financial return, even though you're putting in more. But I want to remind you that this is not the new expectation. It is an exception. And there will be an end to this season. But right now, in order to keep the mission moving forward, it's going to take us to do this right now. You know, it's like, this isn't what, how it's gonna be forever, but it is an exception, and I understand that, and, we, and you can address and say, listen, you know, there are gonna be nights where you're going to want to bang your head against the wall, but guess what? That's what it's going to take to keep the mission moving forward. And some people, unfortunately, can't stomach that, and people will, you know, kind of go down to two, to two knees and, you know, ask to, to leave. Um, you know, because they're suffering and they're probably not right for the organization. But I always say it's an, it's, it's, this is an exception and it's not an expectation.
2: I think one thing that you do, and I don't know, like how intentional you are, about like you're intentional, but like, I I think it's a unique gift in this is that you are able to tie the meaning back behind what we're doing to something that like touches people like uh, uh, in the feels emotional, like you just said, Hey, what if, I know this is a lot, but what if this is the one thing that changes somebody's life? What is this is the one thing that finally gets that person to, to stay at the gym? What is this is the
0: one thing that, yeah. you know. And, and that's why we do what we do. And that is why you're in the fitness industry. Like that's one of the best parts about being in the fitness industry is that you get to be a part of someone's chapter in their life. And if it's that one extra thing that you have to do today which feels like one more thing but what if it's that one thing that changes the ending of their book of life what if their story changes because you did that one thing and so like when you when you can start like reminding them like what the mission is and why we all are doing this like yes we all may have gotten into the fitness industry you know in a different way but you know there is a common thread where it's like, we want to be those people that can show other people there's a brighter day in front of you, you know, and, yeah. and we can help shine light on that for you. One of the things I
2: like to teach our managers now, cause obviously, again, I know their job is to, to bring everybody together, like, uh, and also create the, create the meaning for the team. And we actually did an all team training, like all manager meeting, just just on that topic alone of like, we need to do a better job of creating the the right meaning not because it's manipulation, but it's like it's affecting the the culture. Because if we attach the wrong meaning, then then we're affecting the culture. But you can attach a positive meaning that like actually creates a, an identity in your team around doing hard things. Being able to say, hey, no other gym is going to be willing to do this, but we're willing to do this because no one's going to work as hard as we do to change people's lives or whatever, whatever it may be. But I think part of it, like you do it naturally where I think people have to be very intentional about making sure that they don't go down the negative path, making sure that they don't go down to the people pleaser side of things of it's just easier to like take the tension off of me and kind of like throw the, I'll say throw the company under the bus, right? Versus going, hey, my job is to galvanize and bring everybody together because the more you throw the company under the bus, the harder it is for you to manage and and lead your team because now you have people on your team that don't like the company that they work for and you had the opportunity to make sure that that doesn't happen and i see that a lot i've seen that in some of our gyms in the past of like hey what's going on it just feels really weird it feels really off it feels like
0: yeah it's, it's like the performance and low morale they don't go together like you got to make sure that your <laughs> team like so going to to back to like it's not about making people feel good but i will tell you that performance will eventually come down if morale is down you know like
2: oh for sure
0: so yeah like Making, but by trying to make what I was trying to get to is people trying to make
2: people feel good, actually is the reason why the team morale eventually goes down, right? So like they they want them to like them, they want them to be their best buddy, so they throw the company under the bus. But now you have a bunch of people that don't want to work for this company or have ill feelings about the company that they work for, or even with clients they start saying bad things about the company to the clients. And now clients are going, oh, this place is like a bad place or they mistreat people or they, whatever it may be. And it's like, where are they getting this from? You
0: got to nip that in the butt right away. And that's something, you know, every leader in the organization has to nip that in the butt right away. Yeah. And
2: I think that's just a, a big mistake that if you're not, if you're not being intentional about that, you're actually creating the opposite culture of what you're trying to do by trying to to please everybody and not challenge people and not push people and, and create the right meaning that they should have with what you're trying to do.
3: I want to ask Raza a quick question about that because I think there's some value to extract there. What what would you tell an owner who struggles with conflict? Like they, they know that there's like this fire they need to address. They know they need to address this morale problem. And they just like, they just really struggle to go and confront it directly. I know everyone's got to, you know pull up their pants and be a big boy and be a big girl especially the business owner but for many of them this is their first business and they're they're learning through pain and so we can shorten that pain for them i think it'd be awesome any advice on conflict resolution having tough talks and you know just how to get started or how to attack it better
0: yeah that like in the beginning as a young leader and mavel for sure you know second this. that like confrontation is the thing that i hate that you know that i hate the most I know I don't wake up in the morning and be like, I can't wait for this hard conversation. You know, it's like, that's something nobody does, even if you're good at it. Um, but I think for the owner, the like you said, the owner, hey, the buck stops at you and you're going to get what you tolerate. And I think that's a saying that everyone in, the, in this business has heard. So it's like, and you know, when it, when the pain is that bad, you're just going to go on it up and doing it. Now, the tactic behind it, um, you know, to give a little bit of value, I like to, well, one, in private whenever you can i just i prefer it's a safer piece um there clearly there's sometimes where it need you need a culture shock and a team and you need to put someone in their place just so they don't you know they don't lose confidence in the leader but i also i bring them in private and i always start with a with the headline i call it a headline and it's like um you know, we're having this conversation today because there's a couple things that I want to address with you and that we will need to have, you know, we can strategize on how we can correct it at the end. But I will also want to make sure you know that no one's getting fired today. You know, like this is just a coaching conversation and it's because, you know, I care so much about your potential. That's why we're having this conversation. And it's like, all you know, that disarms everything. It's like, all right, I, I, I started with the headline and then you get into the things that need to be corrected. And that always worked really well for me. And then the the other um, I thing want to I add
3: think about- One thing before you go to the next part, how gold that was because uh, it makes it feel that it's serious because you've dropped fire, but it's not gonna be happening. So it's like, oh crap, like this is, I need to pay attention to this, but then also how you're gonna add solutions on the back end And a lot of times people don't, they just say, stop doing that. I don't like it when you do that. No, don't do that anymore. And it's like, we gotta then plug in what we do want on the other side, right? <laughs>
2: But I I think even more important was you attach the right meaning to it. I'm giving you this feedback because I care about your potential. Right? So now they're attaching a better meaning to it. It's not just, Hey, because I'm being a jerk and I don't care about you. So I'm giving you this tough feedback. It's like, I'm giving you the feedback because I care about you and I believe in you and I believe in your potential. And we're going to work together to, to fix this. Right? Like just that alone is worth your guys' podcast for giving, uh,
0: for giving us an hour of your time. And that's I mean, that is the lead that's a leader's job is also team development. You know, that's part of their that's part of, you know, their responsibilities. Um and then the other thing about conflict, this is something that I learned, you know, I don't know, four, five, six years into me being a leader. If you are really struggling with having a tough conversation, it's because you don't have enough trust with that person. I'm not saying that like that is the only thing, but the more trust you have with someone, the easier that conversation is. For instance, like how fast can you get done with an argument with your wife? And I'm not saying that you should be talking to, you know, your team members like you would your wife or your spouse or your partner. I'm just saying like you've had built so much trust with that person that you literally can speak whatever is on your mind. And that might not be the same way in the workplace, but the the relationships are, you know, relationships are relationships and the dynamic is the same, whether it's in the workplace or at home. The more trust you have with someone, the easier it is to be able to give that feedback. And so if you're really struggling with that, I would say work on the relationship a little bit more so they know how much you truly do care about their potential.
2: And I think it's changing the meaning to you as a leader. Like you're willing to give that feedback because you care about that person because you want them to get better, you yep. want them to to improve. But it's also like if you don't give them the
0: feedback, what happens what that what happens to to your business. So one of that's the That's what I was gonna ask you guys is like the longer you go on not giving that feedback, you're just you're you're kicking a can down the road and that problem is growing. It's not even just kicking the same can down the road. It's snowballing and it is getting 100%. big fast, you know? hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. So one of the things that I think that would give value is
2: um, like you have super high standards when you're running a location. Like I'm talking like we want this thing surgically clean. We want the weights put in a certain way after a session is done. We want to execute the session in a super high way. So like you were able to one, obviously like grow uh, an awesome location, have a great culture inside a location, but you also did it with like Holding super high standards, which is one of the reasons why it grew so far. But sometimes I think people struggle with high standards and high team culture, right? Like high expectations and pushing people. And hey, when things aren't right, we're going to to get them right because we have super high standards. So how do you go about balancing those those two dynamics um, as a leader of a location of super high standards, which you know for me super high standards is the lowest tolerable thing that you'll actually accept not what you have on a piece of paper not what what you say one time in a team meeting but what is the lowest level you'll actually accept that is your standard right so how do you balance those two uh, two things of like really pushing and challenging your team to be you know excellent while still managing a, a great team culture
1: Hey guys, it's Dustin Bogle with The Fitness Empire, and we want to connect with you on social media. So Matt and I are asking you to either friend us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram, and we'll follow you back. But you wanna search our name, Dustin Bogle or Matt Wilbur. and here's what we wanna do for you. We wanna help you with your biggest pain point in your business, so send us a DM, tell us what that big pain point or struggle is, and we'll share with you whatever we've done when it comes to that pain point in our own business, all right? so. Again, go on Facebook, Instagram, search Dustin Vogel, Matt Wilbur, connect, and let us help you grow your business.
0: I think at the beginning, because I was so competitive and you had some studs running locations and studettes. Like you had, you know, like I think back, there's a really good leader over at Alpine. There's phenomenal leader over in Granville. And you got, you know, you still have those team members like Byron Center is killing it. And I was just so competitive where it was like, I didn't show up to be second best and there were times where we didn't perform as well, but that's not like, that's not how I wake up and be like, I want to take second today. Like, you know, so I think part of it was just me internally. Like I wanted to push myself Um, and then the way that I carried myself in the location, like I was the example. And so, um, you know, I think that certainly helped. But as far as like team morale, I was always like, I always was checking in on team members. I mean, I was like informally, I was checking in with team members every single time I was in the location, every single time. And anytime I was in the location and I didn't, and like, I didn't have something very specific that I could do, I was joining them and outperforming them. And that's just like, because I think human nature, especially the people that you were attracting on your team. They didn't want to slack either. Like, they didn't, like, they don't want to slack. They want someone to, like, make it easier for them to do, you know, hard work. They don't want to be the tip of the spear in the location. So, like, that was just something that, that's just the way that I carried myself. That's also a responsibility as a leader. And again, that's something not everyone wants to do because you got to work the hardest with the least amount of applause. But that was just like, I like that shit, you know, like, I just really enjoyed it. And, you know, if we weren't the, If we weren't pursuing to be the best of all the Matt Wilder locations, like we would, I would talk about it, you know, like I would just talk with the team and it, it didn't have like, and it didn't have to be, Hey, let's all get together. Let's all huddle. Let's all strategize. on how we can do it. It's like, no, we're falling short on, you know, sanitizing equipment after the session. It's like that can't, like, if we're doing that wrong, like that's that's a problem there are way bigger things that we can mess up than just making sure that the that the next session looks like it's the first session you know like that's very very fundamental like to the to us it's like tying your shoe got two two easy questions what's your favorite part about being in the fitness industry favorite part um i want to answer this with a story so when we open up Forcel's location, we started with a challenge. We brought in a ton of people. You know, it was me and one other coach, and then a director of operations. There was over a hundred progress reports per per coach. And I remember after an orientation, we didn't even open the gym yet. You know, and in the day of orientation, we get done, and one of my challengers is sitting on a bench in the entry area, and I can see like she's tearing up. She is like, so she looks sad. Like she looks really sad. And I go over, and I'm trying to do. You know, the coach thing to do, which is try and provide confidence in me that I can help get her to where she wants to go. I'm asking her, you know, why did you show up? And she's like, Well, you know, I'm fifty, you know, fifty pounds overweight and I want to lose that. And you say, like, you know, I've helped dozens of people lose 50 pounds. And if you stick to the list, and I do the normal coaching thing, you know, stick to the list, get, you know, do the right things, you're gonna do it. we like, that's not like so outside of losing weight, why is it important to, to lose 50 pounds? You know, and then you get a little bit deeper, but she kind of shut down after a couple of those questions. Well, you fast forward a year later, and she comes up to me, and she's like, Rosso, Rosso, like, it's my one-year anniversary. And I was like, yeah, I know. And, like, I didn't know, actually, you know, but I was <laughs> like, yeah. like And, and uh, like, look at you now. She's almost lost 50 pounds. And she's like, do you remember, like, our conversation on the bench and the entry way after orientation? And uh, I did know that. I'm not an asshole. I do remember that conversation. But I... uh, So she said the real reason why I was... You know, it looked like I was sad, but I was embarrassed. Because when I showed up to boot camp, anytime I needed my nails clipped, I had to go pay for a pedicure. And a year into her journey, she tells me that morning that she did her own nails for... You know, she did them herself. And it's like, that story is like why... That's like the best part about it, right? Like when you, when you narrow it to like the mission of being there for clients, you know, you like, I love about like, there's a lot of team stuff that I enjoyed in the culture of the company, but when it comes down to the clients, it's testimonials and being a part of that. And I mentioned about like having the honor to be a part of someone's chapter or even a part of their chapter in their whole book. Like, I just think it's such a, a privilege to be able to to do that. And that was by far the the best part about it.
2: And I think what a a lot of gym owners need to hear is like, they're like, why doesn't my marketing work? Why aren't people coming? Because that's not what they're walking into on on their first day. Like who's willing to have that conversation? Like, hey, client's crying, like being able to say, have that confidence in the product, have that confidence in what we do saying, hey, we'll help you. Like without a doubt, follow the system, follow the process and we we will help you Um, where I would I would say like a lot of gyms don't have that, right? And then they're like why why aren't people sticking? Why aren't people getting results? Why aren't people cuz it's not just the systems and the processes, it's the people. It's the people who are interacting with the clients on a daily basis that make or break your your organization. And that's just that's just the truth, right? And that needs to be kind of installed and ingrained into your team. So when you talk about hey, I'm in love, in love with the mission, I'm in love with whatever it may be but like at the the heart of it you got to have the heart to want to serve people and help people and there is no amount of marketing there is no amount of business strategy, there's no amount of anything that if you don't have the heart to want to serve and help people like you will not survive or make it in Uh, in this business
0: that story doesn't Um, hit someone in the fields in this industry you probably just you're you're not in it for the right reasons
2: Follow-up question to that would be, now, like, what is the most challenging part of being in the fitness industry? So, as you look at the, the, the years that you were with us, what was
0: the most challenging part for you? Um, see, like, this is, this is kind of tough because I feel like being a part of, you know, and not to, like, pump too much air in your tires, but I, was, I genuinely thought I was part of the best team in the fitness industry in the world. Like that was just how I, that was my frame of mind. Like I was like, no one has it better than us. And in particularly, no one has it better than me. And part of it is like, I started at with location one and my opportunity was endless as long as I pushed myself and I did you know, as long as I didn't screw up, you know. And so it wasn't the schedule because 4 a.m. is early. But even, you know, you think about, it's like when you got a team that's counting on you and clients that are resp- you're responsible to, it's like even on your worst days, you could get up and go to 5 a.m. Like, you know, so it wasn't the schedule and it wasn't like you don't get in into, into fitness because of money. But I also would say, like, don't let that stop you because I never thought I was going to be as financially and I, I'm not making millions, but I was making enough to pay my bills and put some money away, you know, so like. As long as I worked hard, I had opportunity and you, you know, you rewarded me for that. And that's what, you know, an owner should do. And that's what a boss and, and leader should do. But I think as like the years went on, the biggest struggle that I had was right at the end when my cause when I started, I was 23. I had no responsibility. I had no dog, pet, I had no, you know, I wasn't married. I had no kids. Like not like I had nothing. It was like, what was I doing? All I could do was work. So Life was pretty easy, but in the fitness industry with those hours, and if, if you want to have a kid, um, you certainly can advocate and make it work like that. We did, we've made it work, but I had a vision of what kind of dad I wanted to be. And, and having those hours, I was living a life that wasn't congruent with the vision of what dad I wanted to be. And when you're living and you know this, when you're living out of outside of your vision, you will do whatever you can to place blame anywhere else. You know, I had resentment on the schedule. It's like, well, I never get to see my daughter. So it's like the fitness industry, it's an in-person business. You have a specific location. You need to go. This is for coaches. You need to go to. There is a time restraint. You have to be there from this time to that time. So like you are—you you don't have the freedom to do it where you want to do it, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. And so th- that was that was definitely it. It was like the schedule and in, in, in bringing in a family member.
2: And I think that's a big thing that people have to see is like, it's not always, some people will naturally leave your business because their life has changed. Right. And and that's the hard part for a lot of people because your business demands what your business demands. Right. So like, there are going to be seasons of change in people's lives. And then that means there's seasons of change in your business. And as an owner. Or as a manager because that also happens with the coaches right you're just gonna have a coach that i have always found that when a life event happens be ready for the i'm giving you my two weeks or i'm giving you my one month or i'm giving you whether that's i got married whether that's i'm having a kid whether that's something else that happens i'm like even somebody buying a house i'm like oh because some people hang on to their job long enough to get what they need to get the house and then once you have that long track record of a job now you're free to go and do that so i have found different seasons of life just be ready for that's a good
0: uh, that's a good learning like a learning opportunity there is like what you said big life events check in with your team and also like what i would say if if i was in your shoes like those a and b players the ones that you do want to hold on to um You know, there is a standard and an expectation and you do not want to play favorites and you do not want the special snowflakes. But if there is a way to, uh, you know, for the millennials that are starting to have those kids, like if there's a way that like if it if it is a make it or break for them to be able to pick up their kids from daycare or school or whatever it is, like if there's a way to make that happen, um, maybe it's worth trying to come up with a schedule change within their location but if it is creating, you know, resentment in the location, then clearly you, it's it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, we but. had
2: we had one facility leader that was basically like, "Well, if you let me work from nine to four, I'll stay."
0: Why are we training? Yeah, that doesn't. I'm like literally, you, like, you're there for like so every hour of clients. Yeah, you're gonna catch one and a half sessions. It doesn't like again to that point. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, that's it's clearly that's a, it's not gonna work. Yeah. So the, I mean it's
2: it is it's one of those things that it, it is what it is but th- that also makes the dynamics of continuing to run a business long term because you know there's always things that are happening always things to to be managed and there's always the the outside life that's now coming into uh into the business that makes things obviously you know difficult now let's get into the the domination workshop so what are going to be the big 3
0: takeaways that our audience is going to get from your presentation I think and this is, in my expertise, and this is, you know, where I feel like I'm going to be able to provide the most value, which will be employee retention. So giving strategies on how you can maximize employee retention, especially around those A and B players. Um, another one is going to be change management, which is just kind of a, it's a hype phrase, but we deal with change inside of locations in your business. Like there's micro changes, there's big changes that are happening. Uh, maybe you're introducing a new program maybe you're introducing a schedule change for the clients, like whatever the change is, I'm gonna give some strategy on how to approach that with your team um, and as well as communicating with clients where it will hit the right way and it'll make change a lot easier um, inside of your your business. And then the last one is how to create buy-in from the CEO to the client. So the buy-in to the vision, and I'm gonna give, give strategic ways on how you can get someone like is you the business owner you are the most fired up about the vision and mission how can we get the client to feel reciprocal you know how can they feel you know or identical to that and so I'll be able to to give some strategies on on how to create that buy-in all the way through and through your organization
2: that's awesome because I think you know as you scale and grow and as you distance yourself from say the clients right like It's one thing for you to have this grandiose vision and it's another thing for your team to be excited about it and bought into it and the more whatever your team feels eventually your clients are going to feel and that that's that's just the fact and that's actually one of the hardest things for me because you know at the beginning i used to be able to speak into clients and you know they they would buy into it and then as i distance myself like my impact on clients ability to influence clients goes less and less and less but also the lens that they're looking through is is a much different lens um as you go they start seeing you more as you know a business owner versus like hey i, I opened a business to change your life and we have all these people here to change your life yep. and uh like so yeah
0: and I will say i have a i have a good exercise that i can share with the group that will like demonstrate how the vision gets diluted in each layer of the organization if you don't take care of it so like like i will sh- i'll illustrate in real time like the vision and how the CEO sees it, down to the client or the intern sees it, and it's and it gets more and more diluted as it gets closer to the client, um, unless you do some of the things that that I will share in the domination workshop.
2: Yeah, one one thing that I think would be good, since you, you brought on the topic of like trying to to motivate your teams, say like compensation wise, there's a lot of gym owners that maybe right, right now they're they're kind of struggling. They don't have a lot of money so there's there's not necessarily a carrot to be dangling right now of hey you know here's here's what your growth plan looks like but without that obviously you might have a very demotivated team that's not feeling like they're rewarded not feeling like they're appreciated not feeling like they're they're being recognized because let's face it like as much as there's so many people like oh i'm not motivated by money but no one like goes Oh, you gave me two hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks like no one doesn't not feel appreciated uh when when you give them those opportunities so as as a leader looking from I'm um, an employee standpoint, I know the business is struggling, I know, but I also want I want more and I want to be compensated and I want opportunities if you were just giving advice from from your lens, how would you be managing that as either a manager or an owner or leader of a business? you
0: know the the harsh way, which I wouldn't say, but like the, what it should feel like is, okay, do something about it. Like you're not getting paid enough, do something about it. Like, you know what I mean? That would be like the feeling that it should feel like. I think something, well, one, I want to mention, you you know, money isn't everything, but at the same time, there is some, you know, research that demonstrates that Gen Z is actually, they're, they're more into things because of the money and they're very transparent about their income. So I will say, like, the the people that are in the workforce right now, money, they do care about money. I will say that. Um, and the second thing is, as the business owner, you get to design it however you want. And I really think, as, like, again, this is coming from just me personally, but I have to imagine this works almost universally across people in, you know, in a company. If you have a small team, figure out uh, some sort of profit share system. Like, I really think if they want... More money to be able to their, you know, whatever their lifestyle that they're dreaming about, create some sort of profit sharing system that says, okay, when you do this, you will get X. And then you clearly have to follow up and be able to pay them what they are earning based on your profit sharing model or whatever incentive plan it is. But I do think like as simple as like if you are the coach on the twenty-eight day program and you close, you know, you have a threshold, you get a bonus after let's say your number is you know, 60% or maybe it's 70% or 65, whatever that number is for you, every client beyond 70%, which is the minimum standard of our company, you are going to get their first month's, you know, um, pay or their first month's membership as a bonus. Something like, you know, where, and I'm not saying this is a perfect system. I'm just giving an example because Matt, when, when I started with you, like I wasn't in it, like I never... You know, I never dreamed to make six figures in the fitness industry being transparent. But when I started the location with you and you laid out a pretty easy plan, like a a compensation plan to follow, like, you know, I wasn't like slow to get on the phone or email you and be like, hey, we hit, you know, 40,000 in EFT. Like, when's the next, you know, salary bump? And it's like, okay, great job. You can expect it on the fifteenth of next month or something. Is it was like it was very simple, but it also was, it was motivating. Now it's not why I was in the game, but man, it definitely helped mm-hmm. for sure. So
2: even right now, let's just say, obviously, some business like, well, I don't have profit, so how am I going to 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 pay people? I think what you're trying to say is like, hey, like when we do get profitable, this is what what it what it would look like. So now everybody's incentivized to be rowing in the direction of of being able to do that. And then I think you overcome the of you know, I want more money, pay me more money. You're like, well, you can get paid more money. Like here's here's your roadmap. Here's what it would look like to to be able to pay you more money and uh being able to rally the team around there. But at that point, then that, that means obviously open books, transparency with with the numbers, which I think makes some people feel uncomfortable. But in the same token, if you want to potentially motivate your team and right now you don't have the ability to pay them more money, incentivize them necessarily, like you can show them what it looks like to, if everybody gets on board of growing the company and then it aligns everybody's actions around growing the company.
0: Yeah. And I think like there was something that you had done and you know, when I was still around, like, cause you had put something together to help us get back to cash flow positive, and you were willing to pay out bonuses And I don't know the structure that you did, but you were able to pay out bonuses for, you know, good work and retaining clients and having net positive Mm -hmm. month over month. And so you were, you were able to do that. So I'm sure there's, you know, you've got different strategies on how you can do that. But, um, yeah,
2: you know, obviously like I, I'm a big believer. There's not one way to do anything, right? There's, but, but you do have to do something. Um, and just be able to, to go on that. So like being able to have some ideas of because a lot of people listen to like bigger businesses or like people that are doing like way better than them. Like I could never, but it's like, take, take the concepts of those things and just understand what people want and then try to apply them in your business.
0: There was, um, I'm sorry to cut you off. I wanted to uh, finish my thought. I kind of lost track of what I was saying. But one of the things that you did well was you you not necessarily, like some people do get a little bit, you know, feel a little weird about when you talk about money or finances. So one thing that you did well was like, all right, we're going to figure out how much your client, you know, um, how much your client is going to make you month over month. So you figure out what the average cost or average, you know, revenue generating each client was. So you put a client number on it versus a dollar number on it. So you were like, all right, we need to get to two hundred and ninety seven clients before we're this or before Nothing. we get a bonus. And so it was like, and then it's also reminding them like and hey, guess what, when you change another fifty people's lives, which is what we're here to do as a bonus, you get a you get paid a little bit more money and we all like that, but the you know, we need fifty more clients. we need to you we need to grow our impact. and so that was something I wanted to make sure to say like for you, that was something I appreciated as a as a team member to hear you say, we need this many more clients to get to where, you know, the impact that we want to have and when every client beyond that, guess what? It, we're growing our mission. We're growing that, but you also are going to get paid more, which we all like that. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying yeah, that. and I think one thing
2: that is important though is like, you do need to change the meaning of money because I, I think sometimes again, if like, hey, we've got to grow, we need to grow, but what's the reason why we need to grow? Like tie it back to what people care about. And I say, this is, and I could be completely wrong, but I believe this in my heart. People care about themselves. They care about their teammates and they care about the clients. They, they don't, most don't care about the success of the business in the sense of like, Hey, I want to be, I want to help my, my, my owner become a, a seven figure gym owner, right? That That's not, that's not what gets them excited and gets them like, that's not what you can be talking about all the time. Cause if you do, then it just turns all. Oh, all you care about is money. So, Keeping it mission focused on the impact that we want to have on people's lives, but being able to create the right meaning of the growth that we want to have. So what's in it for them? How does it help their teammates? How does it help clients? Like how are we benefiting all of them when we win? Because if it's just, hey, we win and the business owner wins, like that's not that's not gonna be motivating. No one's signed up to be a coach to help the business owner make a lot of money.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, that takes some serious wisdom to be able to compartmentalize, you know, the, the numbers and, you know, sustaining growth in your business financially. Like you, like for someone, again, like me as your employee or even further down the chain, like those team members that get further away from you, it's so much harder for them to be able to compartmentalize like, oh, there's a business to run. And if that, if it loses oxygen or money, like we are all out of a job. And so I think it's really hard for them to compartmentalize that, and I don't know exactly the answer on how to to be able to to teach that, unless just again having conversations around it. But that is tough.
2: But I do think that's where the the manager comes in to help create the right meaning behind. So if a, a owner comes in and they are saying, "Hey, we need to get membership up," and then the the sixty nine percent of the team is uh, s's, right, and they're they're all in their feelings, ah. Oh. All Matt cares about is money and all he talks about is money. And you like, hey, do you do you realize he's doing that because he wants to provide you guys opportunities? Hey, do you guys realize that uh, when when we make more money, it means we're helping more people's lives? Hey, do you realize that when he says that this is what he actually means? I learned this from Ed Milet way back in the day is your, your frontline leader's job is to like basically protect the leader. So if you come in and say something that maybe puts people in not the greatest state of mind because you didn't do a good job of creating the right meaning behind what you're trying to do. It's the frontline manager's job to defend the leader of their organization and defend what they said to create the right meaning inside of your team. So I think it's okay to talk about money, but then you got to create the right meaning behind that money. But then the manager inside a location has to like realize, hey, like, I need to defend that and create the right meaning in my team. Because if I have a bunch of team members that think, oh, the, all the owner cares about is making more money. Like, do I even want to work here? Do I even want to be a part of this? Do I even want, like, this doesn't feel good. And if they want to feel good, then we need to create the, the right meaning. But a lot of the managers, frontline managers, don't realize, hey, that's a big part of your job is to to bring us all together, right? Um, and it's a good thing if the business makes money because that means there's more opportunities. That means that we're helping a lot of people. That means like- Dude, it's so you, true. You don't want the owner to be poor. Was, that yeah, is that's, not that's job how, security. Dude,
0: that's how, and I don't want to go over, but that's how I was. Like people, some there would be times where people were like, well, look at Matt. Like, look at his house and the cars and look, you know, you have a party. Or oh my gosh, look at this pool. It's like, like do you want to go through the risk of being Matt? There's a reason why he earned all of this. So don't get it twisted. Like, I remember having to tell, like, team members, like, yes, he makes more money than all of us, but guess what? He took all of the risk. And he we would not be here without that dude. So go ahead and buy whatever the hell he wants because he's giving us an opportunity to live a life that we probably wouldn't in most other places. So, like...
2: That's the real shit that's happening behind the back. Like, obviously, like, as we grew and I became very successful, like, it started to be, like, a... Uh, hurt the culture in a way even though like everybody knows I'm not braggadocious everybody knows I'm not going around like showing what I've, what I've achieved and what I've done and blah 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 but it's like but people see it people talk about it people have poor relationship with money and, and a lot of people think it's a zero sum game that if Matt has this this means he's screwing me over or I'm I'm getting less of, of, of some token but then, again that goes back into the manager how well are you managing that But also, you know, with that, there also has to be opportunity for for growth and people to be able to grow as well. Because, again, if the if the only person that is winning is the person at top and now they're seeing your success, like it's going to be very hard to motivate team. So always having a, you know, a, a carrot. And that was the big trouble with with COVID for us was the carrot went away. There they went from having a nice carrot and everyone being rewarded and everybody being able to be taken care of to like, guys, like you're going to do more and you're going to get paid less. <laughs> uh, and, and that was, a that was a tough thing to, to, to manage during COVID, but that's the, that's the, the real of, of running a business. But, you know,
0: I want to say, you know, one more thing to, to about this topic, which is, um, I, I would never call my you know you and i were like tight in our own way you gave me a lot of latitude and you gave me a ton of freedom as a leader um but i always looked at your success like i wanted to help you be successful because the more successful you you were without a doubt i was going it was going to happen i was going to be more successful as long as i made you more successful and it wasn't in the way i did it it wasn't being a yes man and it wasn't being a people pleaser did i say yes a lot absolutely But you have to be able to, you know, have some discernment if it's the right thing for you to do. But like, I wasn't necessarily a yes man always, but it was like, I did whatever, even sometimes I didn't, what I didn't want to do. I was doing it because I knew it was, it wasn't just making Matt more successful because I want to have like that overarching message of the mission. But I knew like, if my leader was more successful and I played in, you know, a very intricate girl of making sure you were more successful it only meant that i was you know i could it made it easier for me to be more successful i could use that kind of drag behind you and it made my life a lot easier when i could when i could you know kind of you know boost your success so i never was resentful for my you know my leader's success it was like no because i'm not going to say like i helped him get there i know he knows i helped him get there and that's all that's all we need to know like we're not doing this alone and we, we shouldn't have to.
2: Where I think a lot of people get off is like they, they get off track is the sense that when their manager or when their leader gets successful, like, oh, they, it's all because of me. It starts becoming, like, I actually think that's when they start becoming toxic to to the culture. But obviously that happens if they don't feel like they're being
0: rewarded, appreciated, recognized, right? Um, everyone but that's when it starts is, to... Yeah, I think everyone should feel a sense of their value like yes i helped this mission move forward i hope i wasn't coming off that you know like, like like that but everyone should have like it would be a violation in humility to say that you weren't part of success you know right you, you don't like I, for me as, do employee, you know? me as an employee you know
2: as an employee like i would feel bad if i'm there like i got hired to do a job and then the business isn't doing well i would look at me going like what could i do better to make sure that the business is 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 doing okay but that's a mindset right like i would take it personally if the business was was failing and i'm on the team like a lot of people like if a business is doing bad they look at the leader like oh the leader must suck but as an like team member i'd be like what could i do better when i was a vp at fit body franchise like it was like hey i like why would you want to be a part of an organization that that's not doing well like i want this thing to be
3: like freaking i want to be a part of a championship
0: team i want to bring home the trophy.
3: Well, Ross, I was gonna say this. I bet the reason you felt that way about Matt is you knew his character. You knew he's generous. Uh, you obviously built trust, and so I think that's why you felt like you want to go double down and and you know see it succeed because you knew Matt's heart and that it will make its way to you. And I would say most business owners are like that. They are generous. In fact, some of the most generous people I've met are are business owner CEOs, wealthy individuals. They take a portion of their money, they give it to charity. Um, they want to spread the wealth to their team and like that i know something that drives me is like i want to say hey guys like i found the path i found the path for us to make more follow me and i'm going to show you how to do it you're going to have to learn some skills you are going to have to work hard you are going to have to level up because where you are today i can't keep giving you handouts you have to earn it like i did but you guys know my heart and i want to share with you follow me along this path and i think again that that's where every team member has the ability to pick the leader that they are going to go on and hard on and if they have that character then go all in on it well don't you know, take the time and energy to pick but when you pick then go all in and, I, and that's what i think you know i see in you
0: it's so true well and i you know i could sit here and talk to you guys forever but this is another lesson that matt did again for me one of his employees that, that was like so impactful and it also shaped the way that i led teams at the location when i started with matt like And I like, I can't remember when I was making what and this, but I know it like from the beginning, even when Matt couldn't, you know, pay me what my top earning potential was when I worked there, he still would bring me to Martin Rooney, you know, the training for warriors certification. He brought me to the um, three and a half day mentorship with Todd Durkin. He brought me to all these places and I got to, got to meet, you know, went to masterminds. I got to meet so many good people, um, talented that like grew myself and, and you know, when you look at the price tag it was to bring a team member to go get a certification versus maybe trying to pay them like another ten thousand dollars a year, like that made that made me feel way more valuable than ten thousand dollars a year. You know, admit it had a way better ROI than just ten. You know, like increasing someone's salary that much, like just giving me an opportunity to tag along for a trip and learn, like that was huge. And so, what I would do when I was in my location, um, maybe I wouldn't bring them to like certain certifications but I made sure to do like team outings on my own dime and I remember bringing like six team members to a Detroit Lions football game and I remember there were times where I was like I probably don't have any business you know spending this much money on six team members and buying tickets and you know you know getting everyone drinks while we're there and hanging out and having a good time but it was like they'll never forget that and I'm sure it brought our team so much closer together and you know like you know just doing small things when you had company outings like i was the leader that showed up with goodie bags that had snacks and you know their favorite beverage and you know a you know a piece of candy whether it was snickers or reese's or something that was their favorite to having like a a little goodie bag so when we had eight hour long company-wide meetings it's like they had something and i would probably have not done that if it wasn't modeled to me at some point along my journey and like that's also how, you know, the the my team members would, you know, they'd run through a wall for me too, because it was like I was, you know, generous in my own way. I couldn't maybe do what Matt
3: was was doing for me, but I did it as much as I could. Yeah. And a goody bad that cost five dollars, it goes a long way. And, like they would they're yeah. gonna lose their mind that you took the time to do it because it's all about the intention and how, you know, it made them feel. So I love that, dude. Thanks for sharing it.
2: Yeah. One more question I think will add value is you talked about, you know, I'm not afraid to push back if I have to push back. So obviously, you know, that, Hey, like as a middle manager, a top level manager, like if you just push back on every single thing that like, eventually you're just going to be a thorn in the side of, uh, of the owner or whoever it may be. And you're going to be like, dude, like everything that I tried to do, you, you push back on and like, you're just killing me. Like, like there, there are some things that you just need to get on board and, and and do and be like, okay, got it, right. But if it's like every time that we try to run an initiative, especially during COVID, when it's survival and we just gotta do tomorrow, we gotta do something new because the the government just said uh, we got new rules for you. Uh, now you need to apply by these, and we gotta, you know, do X, Y, and Z to 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 survive. You know, not everybody likes the decisions, but there are some things that you just got to get on board with, but then there are times like, Hey, I just, just does not feel right. This does not sit right with me. This is not alignment with my values, whatever it may be. So with that, like what's, I don't want to say what's the ratio, but what's like the, the line in the sand of, Hey, this this is okay to push back on, but I know that I can't push back on everything or else I'm not going to be the most valuable person on this team. I'm going to be the least valuable person on this team.
0: I would say, There's two things, and I know Jocko talks about holding the line. Like, when do you hold the line? Like you were kind of saying, like, if this is going against who I am, like in my DNA, in my value system, like if it's going against that, that might be a time to hold the line and try and have some conversation and maybe get their point of view a little, get a little bit clearer because there's some confusion. So like, you need to know when to hold the line. But if you are, I would say as far as the ratio, if you're 51 49, it's probably a sign you need to get out. Because 51 49, if you're against it 51% of the time, it's only one month away from it being 58% of the time. And three months later, it'll be 65%. Like, they are going, like, I don't see an outcome where you are always just 51 49. Like, if you are the majority of the time by 1% or 2%, it's probably a sign that you're in the wrong company that's the way I would look at it well from an approach standpoint like because there, there's a tactical way
2: of questioning something and like maybe I need more understanding or maybe like hey I, I just don't agree like maybe there's a different solution here um, so I like there are people that you know still challenge decisions or whatever but they do it respectfully and they do it tactically and they don't do it in a way where it feels like through you I'm not gonna do what you tell me to do um, and there's been past people that have basically just pretty much, you know, they're not here anymore. Let's just put it that way. Um, Because they don't, they lack that. So how would you, if you were advising somebody and you were coaching a manager that, hey, I need to have a conversation with my boss, my CEO, my whatever it may be. They're my superior. I don't believe in in what's happening here. How would you recommend
0: them going and approaching that person? Well, no one likes an issue identifier. You know, that's what I I call. So like, don't just raise an issue. So. If you are going to do it, you better have a damn good solution to follow up and say, I've, I've thought about this and I almost didn't bring it up because I didn't know if it was worth it, but I felt there was something inside me that wanted to bring it up and I wanted to also be part of the solution, you know? So like there's, there's that. Um, but the most obvious one that comes to mind for me is you got to go back and anchor it to what are you trying to accomplish right now? And so like when I say right now, like whatever, because you guys are doing the EOS model, right? You guys are setting rocks. So like, what is it? 90 day rocks or quarterly rocks. So it's like, what's the rock right now that you are, that you are, you're not on board with that you like, whatever the action you're, they're asking you to do is not in alignment with moving that rock forward. That's like how I would approach it is how is it what we're about to do going to move this rock forward? If you can help me understand it and like clear up some of this confusion, it will make it much easier for me to get on board and buy into it. And then at least like opens up the conversation that like I want to get behind it, but I'm struggling to see how it's moving this rock forward. I feel like we're getting it's tangential, we're going off course. So I would try and anchor it to one of the rocks, probably the closest rock maybe you've prioritized them saying like this rock needs some moving. And so the next 30 days, we're going to do whatever it takes to move this rock. You know, like it should be anchored into one of those. If you can't anchor it to, and that's the leader's job to creatively find a message to get it. So it anchors back to, you know what we're doing. Yeah. And then, You know, the next level of leadership is being able to share what their part in the in moving that rock is. Like, what part of the rock are they pushing on? You know, so like you'd have to try and whatever that plan is or whatever you're pitching, you should be able to know what team member and how they're involved in pushing that rock.
2: So with that, obviously, the most most CEOs, most business owners want a result, right? So part of it is like, hey, what we're about to do, I don't think is going to generate you the results that that you are looking for and and I want you to get results because sometimes when people push back it's like I want to grow the business or I want to get results or I want x y and z for whatever reason and now I feel like you're trying to prevent me from doing that so being able to come from a hey I know what your outcome is I know what you want inside of the business I'm just trying to help you get it and I think what we're about to do is is bringing you further away from that. So now you're an ally in helping me get results versus being a, uh, the opposite of, of that of like trying to hold me back from getting results, which sometimes we feel as owners, people are trying to do when they come back and push back on, on different things like, hey, you're not bought in, you're not trying to help move this forward. You're not solution oriented. Like you're when you start being that person, you start going, man, this person is a pain in my butt. But if you come to me and every time I come to me, I know your intent is to help us move the mission forward. Your intent is to help us get better results and and really, you know, execute our initiatives. Like now I start taking you super serious when you come to me, right? Not a, hey, every time it's negative. Now I see you as like, hey, like he's always trying to help move the mission forward. Like I'm going to take this really super serious and I'm going to see you as an ally. And then when you have somebody, in that position that's an ally, Dustin's the same way. Like you wanna go, how do I take care of that person? So being an advocate for it, you can still push back and be an
0: advocate for the business. Yeah. And I think as, and once you get to that high, the, those meetings with high level leaders, um, it's much easier to talk about the mission than it is about you and your own leadership. It's like, at that level, everyone should be able to see the mission so clear that it's like, this is what we're trying to do.
2: And I think the other thing that you always did good when you push back is you never really push back in front of the team. You always did it as a so because sometimes when you push back in front of the team and you don't do it the right way, it looks as like you're not out on the mission. You're you know, and it causes a lot of negativity. So I think some healthy conflict in a meeting is okay, but there is a level where it's way too much conflict in front of a meeting, and you actually. Uh, lower the status of the leader or you disrespect the leader in front of in front of the the entire team and like now now you actually start losing all your influence as as a manager as well and then you also start looking
0: like man this person causes a lot of conflict in in, in our meetings yeah and you see a team member inside of a location Think about how delicate that meeting is. It's like, I don't get this often. So I want to be able to hit this out of the park. So you're right. So if it's the whole group and you're trying to sit at the the big kid table and go at it and have some conflict, you better be ready and you better be diplomatic because you don't want to look like ass in front of your team. Like there's just like, that is good. That is sound leadership. It's like, be prepared and be diplomatic because you're not about to lose, like, don't lose faith in the leader. Like don't, you do not want. That's how you. That's how culture and morale goes down quick. Nose down. Yeah, and
2: creates the meeting after the meeting uh, conversations that uh, hurt the whole, hurt the culture as well. All right, so that that's our questions. Obviously, Dustin, if you have any last questions, we'll let no, you end there. No,
3: I think everybody can see the power of your presentation, Rosso, and sharing this mindset, sharing how people can honestly just grow themselves uh in a, in a company and um, you know do it for the right reasons it is yes to make an impact nothing wrong with wanting to make a bigger income and doing it the right way because i think so many people do it the wrong way and it's self-inflicted pain and if they just figured out this you know formula man life would be better and it and it serves you forever whether it's with the company you're with today or the company you're gonna be with tomorrow you need that mindset anywhere you go and so um i'm really excited for the the ways that you're gonna help people shift um and so again if you guys who are listening have not listened or have not signed up yet, go to dominationworkshop.com, sign up. Um, by the time you're hearing this, it, it's gonna be that we're cutting off registration soon. We have to eventually get a head count and know how many mouths do we need to feed, how many seats are taken, and we have to eventually cut it off. So we're getting near that point, And I don't want you guys to miss out on the gold you're gonna hear from Rosso.
2: Last encouragement again, I, I said it before, but get team members in the room. Like being able to hear this from from Rosso's mouth is going to get them to buy in so much like imagine them leaving going I want to be the most valuable person on this team what would that be worth to you if your team members leave your managers leave your your coaches leave going I want to be like Rosso I want to be the most valuable person on the team imagine if we had two or three people coming back competing to be the most valuable person on the team wanting to be like Rasso, realizing that hey if I give a hundred percent there is going to be opportunities for me but it's if it's to be it's up to me so if you want your team wanting to be a bunch of MVPs sign up for the domination workshop there's a reason why I said Rasso is always a fan favorite there's a reason why I said every all the owners come to me afterwards be like how do I get how do I find a Rasso? and I'm like Well, that's really hard to do because he's a rare freaking breed, but it starts with his mindset and his approach to things and allow him to influence your team and influence your managers. And it's going to massively uh, benefit your business, 100% guaranteed.
3: Love it. All right, guys, well, we'll let you go. And again, dominationworkshop.com, sign up before we are sold out. Rosso, thank you for sharing your wisdom and uh, looking forward to your presentation, man. Thank you guys, I look forward to seeing you there.
1: Hey guys, Dustin Bogle here, and I wanted to invite you to my free group for gym owners. It's called Fitness Sales Made Simple, because I wanna show you how to convert more of your leads into sales, how to get more people to say yes to taking that leap of faith to join your program and to get healthy, fit, and more confident, all right? And so I'm gonna share my best sales strategies but you gotta join the group to see what it's all about. And in fact, the minute you join, I'm gonna give you a free gift. And that is a PDF called five ways to get more sales in your gym. So join the group, I'll tag you on the PDF and enjoy the free content. See you in the group.